While negotiations continue in the Israel-Hamas war, is a ceasefire really in sight? I'm Veronica Dudo. Let's find out. This is In America Today from the Ticker News Studios in New York City. Hello and welcome. Coming up, the U.S. Supreme Court agrees to decide Donald Trump's claim of immunity from prosecution. But first... The Israel-Hamas war is entering a sixth month. During a recent trip in New York, President Joe Biden was asked when a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas might start. He said he hopes a pause in hostilities can take effect in the coming days to allow for remaining hostages to be released. For more, we're joined by Jonathan Tobin, the editor-in-chief of the Jewish News Syndicate. Hi, Jonathan. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me with you. So President Biden says he hopes the deal can be reached soon, but Hamas has not yet responded to the proposal. Where do things stand now? Well, it's always hard to say what is happening from moment to moment when you're negotiating with a terrorist group. Um, They're always upping their demands. They're always looking to um, raise the price of extortion higher. And that's part of the problem with President Biden's role in this. He has been openly cheering and pushing and pressuring Israel to accede to Hamas's extortionist demands. Um, they're, they're, you know, they want a Palestinian terrorist, people with blood on their hands, released in exchange for the hostages. But they're actually much more interested in getting the war to stop because they know that if the war stops, that enables them to resupply, regroup, be able to continue to uh, hold on. And they also know that Biden has pledged that if there is even a temporary ceasefire, he's going to work to make it permanent, which means Hamas wins the war, means that Hamas gets away with mass murder of October 7th and then becomes the the most important force uh, among Palestinians as if they weren't already that. But that solidifies their hold on Palestinian nationalism far more than the Palestinian Authority, and that puts pay to any hopes for peace, even even in the remote foreseeable future. This is against American interests because it also empowers. It's a victory for Iran, um, as much as every decent person wants to see some of the hostages released, and not all of them would be released. And even this, you know, even the terms that are being discussed right now. But that's the point. And Biden wants to do this because of his own political problems. Now, President Biden saw a rebuke by some voters in Michigan recently. Does this signal a problem for him? Well, he has a big problem. And it's not limited to Michigan, but Michigan was sort of the the focal point of it. Um, There is an open revolt within the Democratic Party. Um, The intersectional left-wing base, uh, the activists who provide the muscle and the, the enthusiasm to get Democrats elected, are in open revolt against Biden because of even his equivocal support for Israel, as much as he's pushing for the war to end. Um, They want no support for Israel. They're basically pulling for Hamas to win. And uh, Michigan, which has a large uh, Arab-American population, um, the mayor of Dearborn, which is majority Arab-American, basically uh, was, um, the White House was at his beck and call in recent weeks, sending policymakers to fawn upon him, to apologize for their support for Israel. Um, It didn't really work because there was still a a large uncommitted vote 
that was sort of a symbolic rebuke of, of Biden. But uh, as much as that doesn't really, you know, it doesn't affect who the Democratic nominee will be, you know, the fix is in, Biden is going to be the nominee. It shows that there is an enormous lack of enthusiasm and uh, really a pushback from left-wing Democrats that they were willing to, you know, they might even be willing to let Donald Trump be elected president just so as to ensure that the Democrats never again nominate someone who will be supportive of Israel. And that's that says something terrible about the Democratic Party. And let's remember one thing. Joe Biden came into office saying that he decided to run after the August uh, 2017 neo-Nazi rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, because he was so appalled by their anti-Semitism. He has um, uh, capped his re-election campaign in recent weeks by seeking to appease the anti-Semites in Michigan who are openly rooting for a genocidal anti-Semitic terrorist organization to win. Um, that's no small irony. Now, looking at Israel, do you think they are still committed to sending troops into Rafah? I don't think there's any doubt that the Netanyahu government knows that it must uh, wipe out Hamas. Otherwise, this war will all have been in vain. There is That is the main point here. Yes, they want to get the hostages out, um, and uh, Israelis are, are very emotional on that point. But they know that if Hamas is left standing at the end of this war, it just means more October 7th, more terrorism. Um, and that is something that is impossible. And I'll just remind uh, our viewers of one more thing. Hundreds of thousands of Israelis in southern Israel and many in northern Israel are refugees right now. In, in Israel, the, the hotels are full, but they're not full with tourists. They're filled with people who have been displaced from their homes because of this war. They can't go home until Hamas is defeated. And that's why, among many other reasons, Netanyahu has to persist with this, perhaps even if Joe Biden is trying to twist his arm to stop the war for, as I said, for his Biden's own political reasons. Jonathan Tobin with the Jewish News Syndicate, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. The U.S. Supreme Court agrees to decide Donald Trump's claim of immunity from prosecution. The announcement gives him a boost as he tries to delay criminal prosecutions while running to regain the presidency. The Supreme Court agreed to hear former President Donald Trump's claims of presidential immunity from prosecution for trying to overturn his 2020 election loss. That decision Wednesday will further delay Trump's criminal prosecutions, potentially giving him a boost as he runs to regain the presidency and thrusting the nation's top judicial body with a 6-3 conservative majority and three Trump-appointed justices into the election fray. The justices will freeze the election subversion case being pursued by special counsel Jack Smith. That trial won't start on March 4th, and there's no new trial date. Trump claims he is immune to prosecution because he was president when he took actions aimed at reversing President Joe Biden's election victory over him. The Supreme Court will review a lower court's rejection of Trump's claim of immunity from prosecution and scheduled the case for the week of April 22nd, where they'll focus on one question. Whether and if so, to what extent does a former president enjoy presidential immunity from criminal prosecution for conduct alleged to involve official acts during his tenure in office? The 
Rebecca Gill, an associate professor of political science at the University of Nevada, says it isn't clear how the justices may rule. I think there are very few legal scholars who think that a majority of the court would agree that any president would have this sort of broad immunity over any conduct in office, much less the particular conduct that's alleged here. Um, so that doesn't mean, though, that um, it's a happy day in Jack Smith's office. It's probably not, um, because this is necessarily going to continue to delay things to some degree. Trump on social media hailed the Supreme Court's decision to hear his immunity claim. He wrote, without presidential immunity, a president will not be able to properly function or make decisions in the best interest of the United States of America. On February 6th, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit ruled against Trump's immunity claim. The three-judge panel wrote it could not accept that the office of the presidency places its former occupants above the law for all time thereafter. Trump supporters attacked the Capitol in January 2021, aiming to prevent Biden from being certified. That's after Trump and his allies made false claims that the 2020 election was stolen and devised a plan to use false electors to thwart Biden's victory. If Trump regains the presidency, he could use his powers to force an end to the prosecution or potentially pardon himself for any federal crimes. Also on Wednesday, an Illinois judge stripped Trump from the state's Republican presidential primary ballot, siding with voters who argued that the former president defied the anti-insurrection clause of the Constitution's 14th Amendment. She delayed her ruling from taking effect in light of an expected appeal by Trump. The Supreme Court is soon expected to rule on a separate but similar case that also puts it in the election spotlight over the former president's eligibility to be on the ballot in Colorado, having heard arguments earlier in February. Drones could soon be flying in San Francisco under the control of the police's uh, city, along with other surveillance technology, if a ballot measure is passed. Drones could soon be flying in San Francisco under the direct control of the city's police, along with other surveillance technology, if a controversial ballot measure is passed in March by its residents. The Safer San Francisco proposal, also known as Prop E, comes at a time when issues of drugs, homelessness and crime have reached a flashpoint in the traditionally left-leaning city. And Mayor London Breed is betting that disgruntled citizens will vote for the proposal. Well, I'm excited about drones because when you call 911, you want somebody right there. And drones give us the ability to get there faster than anything else so that we get eyes on the situation. The measure would not only allow police to use security cameras and drones for video surveillance, it would also involve using facial recognition and AI. And that would mean overturning a 2019 ban in San Francisco on facial recognition surveillance technology by government agencies due to concerns then over privacy and misuse. That ban came amid a progressive drive for criminal justice reform during the Trump administration, including seeking alternatives to jail. But the city swung to a more pro-police stance during the pandemic. Speaking to Reuters, Mayor Breed played down any anxiety. So I get that people are concerned about privacy rights and other things. And technology is all around us. San Francisco is the artificial intelligence capital of the world. I mean, we have the top eight of 20 of the top 20 companies in the world right here in San Francisco. So it's coming whether we want it to or not. 
The proposal's success is key for Breed. Elections are coming in November, and her approval ratings have plunged as the city struggles to bounce back from the COVID era. Proponents of the new measures say voters are ready to embrace more policing, with a recent poll showing 61 percent support. Breed says she is seeking to assure the city that the police will not abuse its authority. But critics have pointed out Prop E includes measures that actually cut police accountability. Stay with us, more ticker coming up.